BC unmasked. Firstly, I will be will be repealing the face covering order. The province rolls back many restrictions with a warning the pandemic isn't over. Running on empty. We will have to pivot yet again and find ways to find funds. How the high cost of gas has charities hurting for volunteers. And a mystery in modular housing. I can't sleep at night. The place is terrifying. The province investigates claims of multiple deaths at a supportive housing complex. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Health officials in BC are dropping many of the COVID 19 restriction, uh, stri restrictions that we've all been living under for the past couple of years. The mask mandate ends just after midnight tonight. And Richard Zussman has more on the timeline for when the rest of the restrictions will be dropped. A dramatic shift in BC's strategy to manage COVID-19. I recognize the changes we're announcing today will make some people very uncomfortable. It has been a long and trying two years. As of 12.01 a.m. Friday, masks will no longer be required in public indoor spaces. Businesses can choose to impose their own mask mandate, shifting the burden from public health to individual choice. It's going to take some time to build that confidence again to go out to those places. And I encourage people to take your own time and wear your own mask. Masks will remain in healthcare settings. Workplaces no longer need to require masks in public areas. And schools will drop the mask requirement following spring break. We know that as risk goes down in the community, that's reflected in risk in these structured uh, lower risk environments. The BC vaccine card remains, but will be phased out on April 8th. At the same time, the province will transition from COVID-19 safety plans to communicable disease plans. We are taking this in a stepwise and measured way so that as people get used to being out and about without masks on in some settings, um, we still have the confidence to go to some of these higher risk indoor settings as well. As of March 18th, long-term care visits will be expanded to allow more people into the care home. Vaccine cards, masks in common areas and testing will remain. There will be more tests ahead. There will. And I know we're prepared to stand together in these important moments. Stand together. All the changes coming as COVID-19 hospitalizations continue to go down, vaccination rates remain some of the highest in the world, and there's greater access to rapid tests. Our approach has always been to only have the minimal necessary restrictions to keep people safe and to prevent the transmission, particularly uh, to those who are more susceptible to severe illness with COVID-19. The most vulnerable already expressing concerns around how quickly the mask mandate is disappearing. Dr. Henry speaking directly to them, saying the places that are essential like grocery and transit are still lower risk for COVID spread. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. Now, not everyone feels the same way about masks, so we decided to ask you, will you continue to wear one once the mandate is lifted? And here's a look at the results of our very unscientific Twitter poll. 2,148 people responded, and 22.4% said yes, they'll continue to wear their mask everywhere. The majority, 40.5%, said only in crowded spaces. And 37% of you say no, you are done with mask wearing. 
And the lifting of B.C.'s indoor mask mandate is welcome news to many long-suffering businesses. But while many are optimistic, some are still cautious. As Ted Trenecki reports, it's just the latest step in what will be a long recovery. If you think you're happy to see the end of the mask mandate, imagine how workers feel, considering how they had the unenviable task of insisting on customers wear those masks. There was tension, even confrontation, to the point some workers said, they don't pay me enough for this, and quit. Just having to deal with all these other restrictions and turning people away with vaccine cards and masks and things like that, uh, we're also looking forward to bringing back our staff. There's optimism in the business community that lifting restrictions might help recruit workers back. 13,000 restaurants across Canada have gone out of business since the pandemic. And then there's the question of debt. Average BC small businesses has accumulated over $200,000 worth of COVID-19 related debt, as well as the current economic recovery rates we are seeing from small businesses estimate that it will take over two years, just over two years to fully recover from the impacts of the pandemic. In statements, the Greater Vancouver Board of Trade says for some, the lifting of mandates has taken too long, for some it's too soon. I'll be wearing a mask for a long time to come because the pandemic isn't over. Smart. Driven by the science. I will probably go slowly with it and I would prefer to be showing my vaccination card for a while yet. For Handy Dart, the mask rule stays, given the medical vulnerability of riders as they travel to doctor's appointments. But on everything else, buses, SkyTrain, West Coast Express, C-Bus, the masks can come off at midnight, if you so choose. There are people who may not be comfortable leaving the mask at home yet, and we understand that. That's why we welcome customers and our employees to wear a mask if that's what makes them feel comfortable. And now, to top it all, war in Ukraine causing rapid inflation and product scarcity. Now is not the time to sort of go back to let's add some more cost to the industry through any sort of legislation or regulation. Ted Chernecki, Global News. Vancouver International Airport is reminding people that despite the B.C. government lifting its indoor mask mandate, that is not the case for travellers. Air travel is under federal jurisdiction And under Transport Canada regulations, travellers will still need to wear a mask in the airport and during the flight. No word at this point when that might change, but today the U.S. government extended its air travel mask mandate until at least April 18th. All right, let's take a look at today's COVID-19 numbers for B.C. There are 388 people in hospital. 52 of those patients are in ICU. There have been four more deaths due to complications of the virus, and we have 336 confirmed new cases recorded in the last 24 hours. Keith Baldry joins us now with more. Keith, there was another important point made at today's Mm -hmm. press conference. BC is changing its approach to vaccination requirements in the extended healthcare system. Yeah, the original plan was to require those people, uh, tens of thousands of people, such as dentists, uh, chiropractors, pharmacists, uh, physiotherapists, to be uh, have a, at least one dose by March 24th. That's now changed. Now they're required to provide the vaccination status to their individual college or professional association. Dr. Henry today is saying the emphasis now on ensuring that patients and clients of these people who perform health services know the vaccination status of those who are performing health care on them. Here's Dr. Henry. Other healthcare workers uh, in our public system who are ready to be vaccinated, I encourage you to call the number and, and uh, book a dose of Novavax. It should be in in the next few weeks. 
Um, I will commit to the one part that uh, we have been working with the colleges on is ensuring that there is a, a way uh, for individual patients or clients to be informed and to have informed consent about uh, their services that are being provided to them. So it still remains unclear how exactly you're, you're going to be able to find out the vaccination status of the people performing the medical services for you. They're still working on it. Health Minister Adrian Dix also telling me today that eventually there will be a requirement for people performing these services to be fully vaccinated, just not uh, yet and certainly not by March 24th. Hmm. All right, we'll see how it all plays out. Thanks, Keith. And even as the province relaxes COVID-19 requirements, a protest convoy is still heading for Victoria to demand an end to all mandates. The capital is no stranger to protests, but as Kylie Stanton reports, this one is drawing particular attention. It's become the soundtrack around the legislative precinct, playing on repeat for weeks now. We're just a bunch of people that uh, want to stand up for our freedom. There's only a handful out today, but the numbers multiply every weekend. And according to a leader of the so-called Freedom Convoy, it's about to get even bigger. Vehicles, semis, motorhomes, anybody that wants to go to BC, because we're going to be occupying that area for two to three months. In the video posted online, James Bowder goes on to say the westbound convoy will descend on the capital this coming Monday. Enough is enough. We're not taking it anymore. But has residents and businesses in the area bracing for the worst. You just have to listen to the horns and listen to the, the megaphone burble in the background constantly. Um, I mean, it gets to you. If what happened in Ottawa is any indication, there's reason for concern. But officials say history will not be repeating itself. We've learned a lot. We will not be allowing that to take place here. I have every confidence that the Victoria Police Department and the other agencies that are looking at this are going to protect the safety of our citizens. I want to make it very clear that any dangerous acts or unlawful activity will be met with de-escalation and enforcement. The irony, of course, is this is all happening as BC's provincial health officer makes an announcement inside the building. Today, uh, we're going to walk through uh, where we are in the pandemic and talk about uh, where we're going next. But according to the protesters, the plan to ease restrictions and bring an end to the mandates doesn't go far enough. The rules are changing, but you guys are still out here. Well, until, yeah, until they are totally lifted. On Wednesday, BC Solicitor General made it clear while legal protest is allowed in this country, occupations are not. And so now we wait and see whether that warning reaches the convoy before it reaches the capital. Kylie Stanton, Global News, Victoria. As gas prices continue to hit unprecedented levels, more charitable organizations are coming forward to warn their efforts to help people in the community could be compromised. Paul Johnson reports. If you're talking about charities with an immediate and profound impact on the people they serve, any Meals on Wheels operation would make that list. Hot, healthy meals delivered to people who need help for any reason, no questions asked. We spent a morning with Meals on Wheels Langley volunteer Heather Harvey. 
as she made her rounds, you come to understand a big part of this service is driving. Lots of driving. Here's your food. Today will probably be about 165 people. Shannon Woykin runs the Langley Meals on Wheels. Four, five. And says about a week and a half ago, she started to hear something new from potential volunteers. Our new volunteers that are applying um, have stipulated they don't want to drive. So of the countless consequences of spiking fuel prices, the effect on charities that are based on volunteer drivers will be a major challenge for them. Larry Coleman is with the Volunteer Cancer Drivers Society. We're hoping that gas will come down and uh, we won't have to increase our stipend by much. Well, we did see some volunteers show up in the odd Tesla. They'll be useful. The bottom line for charities like Meals on Wheels is they'll have to pay more mileage to their volunteers to keep it all moving. We will have to find funds if it comes to where our volunteers actually have to choose whether they can afford to volunteer for us. Soup. Boykin doesn't know yet exactly how they'll cover their new fuel bills, but find a way they must. Hundreds of people rely on those meals and the friendly faces that bring them. There you go, honey. Thank Beef you. stew today, it looks really good. In Langley, Paul Johnson, Global News. You. Okay, you take care. A troubling trend at supportive housing in Maple Ridge. Several reports of untimely deaths at this modular home complex and how the province is stepping in to investigate. That's next on the News Hour. Victoria charities load up and ship out all kinds of supplies for refugees as the war in Ukraine rages. That's coming up. And one of the biggest scams Nanaimo RCMP have ever seen and the fortune it cost an elderly couple later. Right now, though, BC Housing is investigating a temporary modular housing facility in Maple Ridge. Royal Crescent opened three and a half years ago as an alternative for people who were living in... City. But as Kamal Karamali reports, a former resident is raising some serious concerns about whether it really is better than living outdoors. I can't sleep at night. The place is terrifying. Frank Juker's home doesn't feel anything like a home. In fact, it's where he feels least safe. The senior citizen says he's seen a number of his friends die at the Royal Crescent Modular Housing Complex in Maple Ridge. The drug dealing that goes on in there is ridiculous. It's ODs every day. Harrowing stories exchanged of people overdosing. And a lot of these people didn't even need to die. Allegations of physical and sexual assaults running rampant. The roughly 50 residents here already coming from a difficult place. The modular housing complex built as a solution to the former encampment at Anita Place. When that tent city was dismantled in 2019, residents moved here and have complained about disturbing incidents for years. Now, the attorney general and ministry responsible for housing has opened up a review into the housing complex. It will involve a third-party consultant independent from BC Housing will be retained to go in and speak to tenants, speak to staff. The attorney general says the review of this modular housing complex wouldn't even be happening if it wasn't for a social media post that got a lot of attention. I think that's really sad. It's really sad. Deidre Lucas posted on Facebook a list of people who she says have died in the housing complex. Just got tired of it happening, period. 
Residents say they don't blame the staff because they're not well trained. They point the finger at the building operator, Coast Mental Health. So I'm pleased that BC Housing is going to say, well, we're just going to listen to a story. We're going to actually do a study and understand it. But tenants question why it took a social media post for anything to happen when they had been trying to draw attention to their complaints for so long. You had a job to do. You failed. There is no timeline on when the review will be finished, but a new permanent housing complex is being built for these residents and will be ready by fall. Kamal Kermali, Global News. A charge of first-degree murder has now been laid against 26-year-old Nanaimo woman Paris LaRoche in the death of her former boyfriend almost two years ago. 33-year-old Sydney Manti was first reported missing in November of 2020. In May of last year, forensic investigators searched a Nanaimo apartment building and an area lake. In July, a Nanaimo lagoon and park were also searched. LaRoche is also charged with indignity to human remains. Impaired driving is suspected in a pedestrian collision in Yaletown that's left a young woman with life-threatening injuries. The VPD says the 23-year-old was in a crosswalk at Camby and Pacific Boulevard around 8 o'clock Tuesday morning when she was struck by a blue Volkswagen Vanagon. The driver remained at the scene, but police suspect that person may have been drinking. So if you witness the incident or have dash cam video, you're asked to contact Vancouver Police. A heads up for the commute tomorrow morning. There is snow in the forecast. Senior meteorologist Christy Gordon joins us now with the details. Christy, now it's just a possibility. That's right. I mean, what we're going to be at is about two degrees tomorrow morning. During the morning commute, we have a pulse of moisture that's going to push in. But there's certainly the possibility some areas will just see rain and some areas will see a mix of rain. And so here's a quick look at the moisture that's going to push in. So uh, here's some areas showing purple. That's the area that could see snowfall, mainly over higher elevations. But I wouldn't rule out some areas like Tri-Cities, uh, North Shore, uh, the highest levels of Surrey area, for example, as well. And while we well know that it just takes a little bit of snow to cause problems, especially during the morning commute. So we're really giving everyone a heads up. If you can't manage the snow, don't get head out tomorrow morning. In the afternoon, it should be much drier. All right. Thanks, Christy. We'll touch base with you in a little bit. Good to be warned. All right. Still ahead, the fighting rages on. The Ukrainian resistance scores against a column of Russian tanks while human suffering adds up. Also tonight, the coffee thrower caught on camera. How police tracked her down. Traffic is steady this evening, eastbound on Highway 1 through Coquitlam to the Portman Bridge. Just a reminder that after the Portman Bridge, further east on Highway 1, there is a crash involving a semi at Glover Road. With BCAA Car Insurance, it's easy to renew from anywhere. From ICBC Auto Plan renewals to exclusive savings, visit bcaa.com today. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One at the Portman Bridge. Ukrainian civilians are bearing the brunt of the slow-moving Russian advance through their country. Russian troops are blasting apartment buildings, shopping malls, and as we've seen, even hospitals. As Aaron MacArthur reports, it's a tactic that's worsening the already dire humanitarian crisis. Russian tanks under attack by Ukrainian defense forces Thursday. Despite setbacks like this, the Russian military continues to slowly advance towards the capital. Kyiv now facing assaults from all directions. Social media posts claim to show Ukrainian troops counterattack. 
While the ground invasion is progressing slowly, the air assaults have continued non-stop for two weeks. Russian missiles and aircraft targeting civilian structures. Hospitals, residences, schools have all come under bombardment. This woman says the bombs have come from every direction. Please pray for the mothers and children. In Mariupol, a mass grave has been dug near the cemetery. Bodies placed in a 25-meter-long trench. This social worker, who's been burying the bodies, says he just wants it to be over. Talks between Russia and Ukraine have proven pointless. The Russian foreign minister unwilling to concede there's been an invasion at all. Humanitarian corridors have remained open in northern cities, but according to the Ukrainian president on his social media channel, Russian tanks attacked Mariupol just as a convoy of aid was due to arrive. Russia continues to squeeze Ukrainian cities with their options of escape running out. Civilians bearing the brunt of this war. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Aid groups and grassroots operations have sprung into action all over the world, collecting and delivering badly needed supplies to the region. Now, one Victoria charity is putting its experience to work with a giant care package for refugees along the Ukraine-Poland border. Sharon Bates has the story. Most of these are brand new, you know. Awesome books. We're loading up supplies that will be sent to the uh, refugee camps on the Poland-Ukraine border. For over 20 years, the Compassionate Resource Warehouse in Victoria has been shipping containers full of supplies to people in need all over the world. Volunteers are busy receiving, sorting, and packing the donations, while behind the scenes, there is a lot of logistics to figure out with their partners locally and in Poland to assess what is needed and where the shipment can be received. So having a very good partner who is on the ground accepting and distributing is vital to us. Otherwise, if it's not, it can go into the black market. They also are able to give us very specific needs. Just because we have it doesn't mean it should be sent. That is where iCross Canada comes in. We have partners on the ground in Poland and as well in the Ukraine who are working to coordinate the other side of receiving some of the aid that we're supplying. So when people donate from Victoria and Vancouver and the surrounding areas, that supply will be going into a container and will be being shipped over and will be received by our partners there. Behind me you see the line just coming in over the border of West Ukraine near the city of Medica and there are just thousands of people coming. So we've built a needs list with some on-the-ground partners here. Now, a lot of this stuff, of course, is, is basic relief. It is hygiene and wash kits and food. They, they have told us, you know, the number one thing that they, they need right now for food is like ramen noodles. Even though shipping a container does take time. It might arrive four or six weeks later. In our experience, it's just in time for the, the mayhem to really settle down and for us to know how to get all of those supplies exactly where they're needed. So maybe we can go through the one new revamped list. It costs around $12,000 to buy and ship a container, and then more funds are needed to truck the items once they land at their destination. So monetary donations are much needed, as well as hygiene products and medical supplies. Sharon Bates, Global News. A pair of sisters in Richmond are doing their bit to uh, raise awareness about the plight of children in Ukraine right now. 
Ten and eleven year old Natalia and Amelia Ramirez have been making tiny Ukrainian flags and toques in the Ukrainian colors and handing them out in the neighborhood. They took it upon themselves to take action after seeing what was happening overseas. They need help and we should support them because if we needed help, they would support us. It's a pretty heavy story, but uh, they know that there's children out there who need help and uh, we're hoping that this sort of raises awareness. Understandably, Huey is extremely proud of his daughters. He says they already, they've already used about a thousand feet of yarn making those little toques. Very cute. Mm -hmm. Good work, girls. Well, just ahead, jewel thieves strike. The terrifying experience for a nine-year-old boy who witnessed the whole thing. And recognize this guy? Why North Vancouver police are looking for him. Good evening. Some leftover volume on the southbound approach to the Ironworkers Memorial Bridge after clearing a stall at the north end. Through a new charitable partnership between Kermac Cares for Kids and Surrey Memorial Hospital, when you choose Kermac Collision and Autoglass, you also support the Surrey Memorial Children's Health Center. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One, hype of the Ironworkers Memorial Bridge. An unlicensed massage practitioner has been arrested and charged with sexually assaulting two clients. 46-year-old Jun Dong Gao, who also goes by the names James and Jim, was arrested today after two women contacted police, alleging they were assaulted while receiving treatments last month at two East Vancouver locations of Happy Feet Massage. Gao has been charged with two counts of sexual assault and he's been released from custody under a string of conditions. This uh, individual was an unlicensed massage practitioner who was employed by this company. I should say we worked with the company, with the owners of the company throughout the investigation. Uh, they were cooperative uh, with, in every respect with the police investigation. If you or someone you know might have been victimized while getting a massage, you should contact Vancouver Police. North Vancouver RCMP have released pictures of the suspect in a sexual assault last month. Turn around. Turn around. What makes you think it's okay to smack me in the ass? The images were taken from a video shot by the victim of the assault moments after she was groped while she was hiking at Lynn Canyon Park on February 13th. The suspect is described as a black or South Asian male with a medium complexion 25 to 30 years old, six feet tall, about 170 pounds with a thin build and light growth mustache and chin hair. He was wearing large, round, silver-framed glasses, a black North Face hoodie with Never Stop Exploring on the front, black athletic pants and gray high-top sneakers. Anyone with any information should call North Vancouver RCMP or Crime Stoppers. A woman has been arrested in connection with a shocking Vancouver stranger attack that was caught on video. It happened at the Tim Hortons at Abbott and Pender on October 20th. A woman threw hot coffee at an employee for no apparent reason. Now charged with assault with a weapon is 26-year-old Megan Russell. Police say she was arrested thanks to tips from the public. Police are hoping you can help in the recovery of three unique works of art stolen from a Vancouver Island gallery. 
Overnight, March 4th, the Coastal Carvings Fine Art Gallery in Coombs was broken into. The thieves made off with a metal orca sculpture, a raven mask, and burl-turned carving. If you have any information about the stolen art or the break and enter, contact Oceanside RCMP. Terrifying moments when three thieves held up a jewelry store in Mississauga, Ontario. The heist was caught on surveillance camera. Global's Catherine McDonald shows us what went down. This was the terrifying moment when Laikat Ali buzzed three men into his son's jewelry store just after 3 p.m. on Tuesday, thinking they were customers. It quickly became clear what was going on. Three masked men, one wielding a handgun, ordered the 59-year-old to the ground. His nine-year-old grandson, who witnessed it all, can be heard on surveillance video, pleading with the suspects to have mercy. Ali can be heard praying to God as the bandits fill bags with trays of gold. After four minutes of terror, the suspects take off with jewelry and cash. The nine-year-old asks aloud. The owner of Lahore Jewelers, Ghulam Nabi, tells Global News he came here from Pakistan with his father 10 years ago for a safer life. My son has come with me. Then after they are putting the gun, uh, gun is my son. My son is nine year old. So why I'm coming this Canada? This is Canada is a very safe country. Understandably upset about what happened to his child. He's very scared. He not even sleep well in a night. Ali, who suffers from a heart condition, says he's glad to be alive. At one point, a thief put a boot on his chest. God help me. You were thinking this was the end, maybe? Yeah. Yeah, he's, yeah. He, he thought this was the end. Yasin Hussein understands the terror all too well. He said, if you're going to move, I'm going to shoot you. On February 24th, three masked men, one armed with a gun, stormed into his jewelry shop on Gerard Street and took everything. Customers are coming. We are scared to open the door. Many in the GTA South Asian jewelry business community fearful and worried they could be hit. What am I going to do with this life? I have four kids. How are we going to survive? Both families say their savings are now gone. They say insurance companies won't insure. 22 karat gold. I don't care about the money. I care about my son. Catherine McDonald, Global News. Nanaimo RCMP have released details about what they're calling one of the largest scams they've ever seen targeting seniors. The couple, both in their 80s, ended up handing over almost $400,000. They were duped into thinking the money was going to pay taxes on a multi-million dollar prize they'd won in a Reader's Digest sweepstake. It all began early last year when they received a phone call followed by official looking documents in the mail claiming to be from the Internal Revenue Service. Canadian Anti-Fraud Centre collects data on current frauds being perpetuated across Canada. Just Google Canadian Anti-Fraud Centre. It's a government agency. It's safe. I'll let you know there's from A to Z. There's dozens of frauds. And if yours is in there, then you realize it's a scam. And then don't stop there. Share it with your neighbors. Share it with your family members. RCMP say there were plenty of red flags that should have been picked up by the financial institution in this case, with the elderly couple requesting dozens of bank drafts for large amounts of money over a several-month period. One in ten Canadians is living with kidney disease, and most probably don't even know it. Doctors are encouraging everyone to get a checkup on this World Kidney Day. Four million Canadians have some form of kidney disease. People can lose half their kidney function before it affects their health, but it can be detected 
through urine and blood tests. Those with a family history are at greatest risk of kidney disease, along with those who are obese. The good news is it can be prevented through good old diet and exercise, also by drinking lots of water. And a big thank you to everyone who donated to the Kidney Gala last weekend. That's right. 300000 I think, something like that. What? Still ahead, a BC company drumming up lots of business. There's so many success stories of people who had never played drums before, and now they're playing in bands. With 2 million subscribers on YouTube, how Drumeo is marching to its own beat. And coming up in sports, the Whitecaps scoring slump and what they're doing to solve it. A lot of people put a lot of sunshine in the memory bank, and that's going to be very necessary, it sounds like, maybe even during tomorrow's morning commute. Mm -hmm. Oh, Christy's here with weather, by the way. She's got the details. Uh-oh, Christy. Uh -oh. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe she can't hear us. I'm guessing she can't hear us. Okay. Uh-oh. Maybe we'll just Okay, text her. her. Do you have your phone? Yep. Okay, sure text do. her. I don't know if she's going to pay attention to her phone right now. <laughs> she's it's... probably waiting for us. All right. Okay. Technical difficulties. We'll, <laughs> we'll throw it a break and be right back with Weather and Squire. <laughs> Hold on. All right, we've ironed out the technical difficulties. Christy Gordon is here now with the weather forecast. Christy? Well, thanks so much. So as we talked about, this is a heads up. We have the potential for snow tomorrow morning. Here's a look at the temperatures. The interior region's not as cold as what you've experienced over the last little while. And it won't be as cold tonight as what we've seen. But nonetheless, two degrees is enough to bring the potential for snow across the lower mainland. So here's what we're calling fall for. As always, a range zero to three centimeters as possible. It takes very little snow to cause problems during the commuting hour. So this is a heads up. If you don't like snow, if your car's not ready, for snow don't head out tomorrow morning in the afternoon it's going to be drier and there'll be a much better time to be able to get out there uh, but again a lot of areas may just see rain uh, or a mix of rain and snow but all it takes is some flakes falling from the sky to create some problems on the roads so there's that wave of snowfall for our region it changes over to rain by friday night again though we'll see a dry patch in the afternoon and we're heading into spring break a lot of people may be traveling so snowfall on the mountain passes and that includes sea to sky with five centimeters heads up on that there's your friday forecast so coastal regions rain but snowfall for inland regions changing over to rain uh, breaks of blue sky in areas like asuyus and kamloops but for our region that possibility of snow is during the morning break in the afternoon with drier conditions before the rain pushes back in friday night the weekend is not a soaker but it's certainly going to be unsettled with some rain here and there and a reminder we change our clocks on sunday that means we lose an hour of sleep but sunday Sunday night, sunset will be close to about quarter after seven. I can't wait for that. Tonight's central windows weather window coming to you from Nanaimo. Renee sending us this gorgeous shot. I believe that's an arbutus tree, one of my favorite trees during uh, sunrise there. And that is a stunning shot. Thanks so much, Renee, for that one. Get a frame on that. Thanks mm -hmm. for that, Christy. All right, Squires here now with a look at sports and what the Canucks are up to. Okay, so 
if the Canucks are able to successfully climb playoff mountain after falling off a cliff in the first two months of the season, then consider Thatcher Demko and JT Miller to be the Sherpas, the ones who led the rest of the team to the summit. And if any team is thinking of phoning the Canucks and trying to make a trade for JT Miller, they should know his price is going up faster than the price of gas. He has 21 points in his last 10 games. Last night against Montreal, he had four points. Things are going so well for Miller. After the game, he admitted his goal in the third period happened because the referee missed a penalty on him. Yeah, honestly, I think I got away with another slash there. I thought they were going to call it. And then uh, I knew that the D-man was probably, or whoever that was, going to beat me to the net. So I just tried to let, rip it as hard as I could. And um, I didn't even really see how or where it went in. But it felt like we had, it could have broke the game open at any point. Um, you know, it's pretty black and white. I tell you it all the time. We don't turn the puck over. I think we have a lot of, we typically have a lot of success on our forecheck. Jack Eichel returning to Buffalo with the Vegas Golden Knights. The Canucks are cheering for the Sabres in this one. They're four points back of the Golden Knights, who are third in the Pacific. And after this game, Vancouver will have a game in hand. Oh, look at that. Peyton Krebs, one of the guys who was traded to Buffalo for Eichel, scores on his old team. That made it 1-0 for the Sabres. It's 1-1 now. Victor Olofsson, late in the third. The Canucks get help. Buffalo beats Vegas 3-1. That's huge for Vancouver and everybody else who is chasing the Vegas Golden Knights. Well, there have been no hugs for the Vancouver Whitecaps this season because they haven't scored a goal. I know it's only two games, but expectations were pretty high after the way they ended last season. And 0-0 ties are not going to get you into the playoffs again. This Saturday, the Whitecaps are in Houston. You would think, or more to the point, you would hope that the chances of Vancouver being shut out three times in a row are pretty thin. The Whitecaps are still searching for their first win of 2022 because they are still searching for their first goal of 2022. They've had a couple of decent chances, but haven't created a lot of great looks at goal, mainly because they've not executed that final touch well enough. Tactically, we were good. I think the movement were really good. I think our choices with the ball weren't that good, of course. The utopia is that they make the right choice 100% of the time. Maybe last game it was like 50 or 60% of the time. Hopefully next game it will be 70%. You know, in the final third, we need to, we need to be creative. Um, you know, it can't be too like, robotic in the movements. It needs to be freer. Um, and, you know, when we have the ball, we need to be confident and go and attack people and um, you know, just make sure we're in the right spaces and take the chances when they come. Of course, it's still very early in the season, but the Caps did average about a goal and a half per game under Vanny Sartini last year, which was good enough to get them into the playoffs. So they're confident the goals will come if they do the right things. If we want to really make a very simple thing, being as fast as we can uh, when we are in our half, but then having patience in, in the opposition half. We just need to make sure that we, we get the ball in the right place. Um, we've got a lot of powerful boys in the middle there. Um, they can go and attack the ball, so you know it's our job to just make sure we can, we can pick them out. All is well in Major League Baseball again. The two sides, the players and the owners, have come to an agreement after a 99-day lockout. The season will start April 7th, and it'll be a full season, 162 games, despite all that stuff that the owners said about, oh, we're canceling games. Among the uh, changes, the players' minimum wage 
has gone from 570,000 per season to 700,000 per season. And the number of playoff teams will be up to 12 this coming season. And they will allow advertising on uniforms and batting helmets to pay all that minimum wage going up. Okay, Centennial Semiamu, this is a quarterfinal action at the boys 4A. And look at that, Torian Lee going all the way. This is an upset. Centennial number two, Semiamu is going to beat him. Look at the no look there to Cole Beckering. Semiamu wins it by 13. More games going on tonight out at Langley Event Center. Uh, Brian McKeever is one of the greatest Canadian athletes ever. And he's getting ready for his final individual race at the Paralympics tomorrow in cross-country skiing. He's 42 years old. He has won 19 Paralympic medals in his career. 15 of those are gold. He's never lost an individual race in the last three Paralympics. And after these games are over, he is kind of going to call it a career. I'm going to fade out slowly. <laughs> and so I'll probably do some races in the, in, in the next year or two, uh, but then shifting more roles into mentorship, coaching, waxing. Uh, that's the most likely scenario right now. Uh, and who knows? Yeah, we'll see if, if I, if they feel I have something beneficial to offer, then I'm happy to help out and be a part of it. And, uh, otherwise I might do something completely different. Just open up a coffee shop in the Kootenays. Well, that'd be fun too. A coffee shop in the Kootenays. Okay. There you go. Uh, Paralympic medal standings. Canada still third with seven gold. Still good to see the Ukraine sitting in second behind China. There you go. Well, all right. Thanks very much. Squire. Up next, how an Abbotsford company is drumming up big business in the music world. A made in Abbotsford success story is bringing music to the ears of people around the globe. Drumeo began a decade ago and has grown into an international online music business. On This Is BC, Jade Durant caught up with the beat farmers in the Fraser Valley. Hidden away in a small studio in a remote part of Abbotsford is a company that's found huge success. The locals may not know much about it, but it's famous around the world. This is a Canadian company run by a bunch of Canadian drummers. It's nice to see a lot. For the past 10 years, Drumeo has been building its brand and has become an industry leader in online music education. All the things you're playing is just really clean. Looking at charts and looking at... There's so many success stories of people who had never played drums before and now they're playing in bands, they're going to jams in their local community. Their international reach is growing all the time. Yeah. Hello, Egan Drum they have tens of thousands of paid subscribers around the world and more than two million YouTube followers. An impressive response for the founder who started by selling instructional DVDs recorded in his basement. And what are we going to do when we want to get better at something? Practice, practice, practice. Guest appearances by superstar drummers happen all the time. He's got to be a moment on the tip of a pin. But so far this year, we've had the drummer for Prince, We've had the drummer for Ariana Grande and Usher and Lady Gaga. Anytime we bring an artist out, it's, it's like, oh, we're driving you out to this small farm community of Abbotsford uh, and in this industrial complex. 
And the expansion continues. After the success of Drumeo, the company has launched new brands to teach singing, piano, and guitar. Maybe we do a Musora Idol sort of event. Maybe we do that across the brands and put together a superstar band. And sure, why not? We'll do a record, we'll do a tour. It's been so cool to be kind of a catalyst for these aspiring musicians to really make their dreams come true, which is pretty, pretty cool. Jay Durant, Global News. And if you know someone who has a great story to tell or something unique to BC, just email your ideas to Jay at thisisbc at globalnews.ca. Squire was loving it over there. Well, I, to me, I love seeing, especially young kids, when mm -hmm. they're learning an instrument because you can see the joy in their face. Yep. When they know they're getting something, or they're no matter what instruments they're playing, when they're playing a song and they know they're getting it, it's a great feeling. Have you seen that kid from the UK, mm -hmm. Nandy Bush Bushnell or something? Oh, is he a TikTok star? Yes. She. she. She is amazing. Wow. She got on stage with the Foo Fighters. And it's yeah. never too old to learn. I think Christy's seen her, right? Yeah. Absolutely. She's she's nuts. She's crazy. She's been in some commercials as well. <laughs> she's so good. Yeah, so good. All right, quick uh, word on the weather to say goodnight. Okay, so possibility for snow during the morning commute. Some areas will just see rain, but this is a heads up that snow is possible. All right, thanks very much, and thanks for watching. See you in a little while. They're going to spring break. <laughs> Bye, Bye, Chris. <laughs>